I'm Dwayne Brummett, he's Ali Alborigo, and this is the School Owner Talk Podcast. Hello again, Dwayne Brummett here with Ali. Great to be with you, Ali. Hey, great to be with you too, Dwayne. It really is, honestly. I, I love our calls and I uh, love chatting with you. And it's kind of like it's, we've been doing it such a long time, like literally every Wednesday for years. Right. And I feel like my week's complete because you and I chat and we, we get a little mi- few minutes before and we brainstorm. Uh, I, I wish we lived closer. Like I'm, oh sure, my God. I'm yeah. sure it would be very fun. Go out to dinner, um, things like that and all that other stuff. But it's just great having you as my uh, friend and being able to chat with you weekly. Yeah, I'm most appreciative. Um, you got a lot of friends, so to con- <laughs> you know a lot of people, so uh, you know to be considered a friend uh, of yours is 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 something to be said. To be quite honest with you, because you depends have a on lot who, of friends. It depends on who you ask, though. <laughs> yeah, oh, whatever. I mean, I don't know. I I I like to think I get along with everybody, and, and yeah. until they become an idiot, so you know. Yeah. But you know what? It's it's so true. Like the one thing about social media that I love is like I've met so many people, stay in touch with so many people, talk to, you know, happy birthdays and comments through social media, even though it's to some extent like a, a bit of like this two dimensional fake world in a way like, you know, but at the same time, I have a lot of friends that I otherwise would have never seen talked to or stayed in contact with for very long forever. But right. I am able to still keep a little connection to those people through social media. Yeah, yeah, it's been pretty neat. And I mean, one, it was nice that we, we knew each other before. Yeah, all of this, anyhow, you know, anyhow, and and you know, I've been to your state, you've been to my state. And yeah. In fact, quite often when I drive on fifty seven and I see a certain sign, I'm reminded of uh, of, of a time that you were in town. So oh, yeah. Hey, um, <laughs> hey, check this out. The other day when I was on a, well, the, the, a little while back, I was on an airplane flying down to Florida or Nashville or wherever. And I'm, you know, you're on airplane mode. So you could only see or hear or see videos that are in your phone. So I'm scrolling through all my audio. Cause I have like multiple audios of the same songs and I'm deleting out the extras, but I found an audio interview that you and Dwayne Ricardo did with me called Gr- oh. grill alley or something. Allie. Dion. Yes, grilled. Dion. Dion. Yeah. yeah. Dion. And, um, what a good interview, though. That was a really cool interview. You did a great job, like the questions and the layout. And, and uh, the interview was fun. Like, I go back in time and I'm like, wow, there's a lot of things we discussed that I'm like, wow, I think I should be doing that again. For some strange reason, I stopped doing it. Yeah, well, it, 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 it's the, um, what is it? I've, I've forgotten. What is it? I've learned more than I've forgotten. I've forgotten more than I learned. What, what right, is that right, saying? Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, you 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 really well like as school owners we're always looking for the next best thing. What's the newest trend? What's the newest thing to do? Um, you know, how are people doing it now? And then you forget like there are a lot of things that were very simple that I used to do way back when that for some and I don't know why, I can't even remember for the life of me why I stopped doing it. Maybe it was too tedious or too much work or at the time, I didn't see the benefits and someone else seemed more beneficial, something else. And I just eliminated that activity. But like, it's just 
Like I'm going back yeah. to, to sales sheets when I'm signing a people up now. And I had like a sales binder so they could visually see the progress of what our program gives them, what's the benefits and all that. I got away from it. I don't know why I did. I think it was all about not doing the presentations as much anymore. But, you know, if I could increase my sales by 10, 15 percent again, more, um, that'll be beneficial to me. Well, you know, uh, I don't know if you know this, but through our uh, Spark membership program, yeah. you, you can do a, a PowerPoint presentation on your iPad as really? you're doing it. With the sales sheets and all that right through there. Yeah. So when they're going through, you know, you're signing them up, it's a, and it's also uh, attached to that agreement. So I'm sure each agreement you have, you or each each uh, program has its own agreement, correct? Uh, yes. Yeah. So you can make a PowerPoint for each of those. And, wow. and rather than having that flip binder, you can just use your iPad and, and you know, swipe just it another, to the next screen or whatever. Just, just mm -hmm. another thing that Spark thought of. Yeah. Right? That makes our lives easier. Like literally everything you could need in software. I, yeah. And I don't know, I know this isn't our topic today, but we'll get into it in just a moment. I don't know if you, so we get the weekly updates. Yeah. Um, and I've now started to, on Fridays, schedule time for me to start going through those, mm. especially the ones that are completed. Right. Um, because even I didn't realize like in the checkout pages, they're doing things now that I'm, that I wish I could, that they're allowing things to yeah. happen inside the checkout pages that yeah. I wish I would have happened a while ago, but yeah, like a good software and this company particularly, not just because they're a sponsor of our podcast, but right, right. Um, the fact that they listen to their constituents, us as school owners, and mm -hmm. then they make the software better. Um, and so, and I'm really excited that they have those briefs or updates, Yeah, but, but it's not enough just to have those because I wasn't looking at them. I've right, got me to, too. I've got to schedule time. So I schedule time on Fridays now where I look at it. Uh, usually schedule a block of 20 minutes to go through things and look at it. And yep. then, and then I'm off to the next thing. And I agree with you. Like I look at them and I go, wow, there's a lot of really good info. I'll, I'll get back to it. I save it in my inbox. Next week rolls around. I hit delete. I'll eventually get to it. And, and it's, it is a little overwhelming just to stay on top of software um, but at the same time, if you get one good thing that makes your life that much easier out mm -hmm. of the software, it's so much better. So anyway, yeah. let's let's why don't you tell everybody the topic today and we'll get started. Yeah. So our, today's our topic or today's topic is on how to onboard new members so that they they stay, they pay and then that they refer. Um, and if you had listened to uh, last week. I think it was last week, but we talked about five ways uh, to get new customers. Mm -hmm. And the first four ways, and, and you can go back and listen to it, but basically just in a nutshell, the first four ways are, are all linear. Um, and those four ways are going to increase in cost over time. Just because of cost of living goes up. I mean, that's just going to be a constant. It's always right. going to increase. Mm -hmm. The fifth one uh, we talked about, which is referrals. Um, that is the great equalizer because that one, uh, if done correctly, is is the one that doesn't have to go up in cost. Right. That can um, you know bring down the cost of your uh, the cost of acquisition or the cost of acquiring a, a client. And so when we're talking about onboarding new members, you know, so that they 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 stay, pay, and refer, 
you know, really we're talking about what the new members in our martial arts school, you know, what their initial experience, you know, is that really sets the tone for the journey that they're going to have ahead. Mm. But we have to be, I believe we've got to be very strategic in how we do it. Now, what's been unique and, and, and innate in martial arts that I think we take for granted is that most martial arts schools have a culture. Uh, they have a belt system. They have, uh, so just with those two things, let's just say, even if they're not even strategic about it, yeah. just with those two things, uh, that can help create this opportunity to get them to stay and pay and then also refer. But if we were to take a look at, you know, really how to do it strategically and we were able to, um, you know, keep one more student, right? Be able to uh, get one more student to, so keep one more student per month, get one more upgrade per month, get one more referral per month that starts to obviously increase our revenue, but it also decreases the the marketing costs as well, right? Right. And so we, as as a, we basically run a, a, a membership organization. That's what a martial arts school is. Because what do yeah. they buy? They buy a membership, they pay weekly, buy yearly, whatever it is. It's really a member organization. Right. Do you know what, like, really the, one of the oldest, if not the oldest membership organizations is? Probably the churches. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's the local church. Yeah. And what does the local church do? Um, and I'm not here to preach. That's not what I'm I'm, I'm about right now. Um, although you can listen to me later if you want to hear that. But right. uh, no, the thing is that the what the local church does and what they do well is they bring, they attract like-minded individuals to become a community and then they do things you know with that community to help other people help the community i mean just all those different things but that if, and and we could really you know dive in and we don't have time today but like dive into um you know all that they do but really i just wanted to bring up the fact that it's the oldest membership organization and it might be uh, a good opportunity to kind of even if you're not religious, even if you don't have a, a faith, even if you're agnostic or atheist, looking at it in a, in a from a business standpoint, a business mindset, if you will, I think is important. Well, there so, was a, there was a great book that I read years ago, and I forget the exact name, and I could try to look it up. Um, it was churches something uh, and a pastor's journey on rebuilding his flock or fellowship in this church. And it talked about how many churches, which we don't realize actually go out of business every year. Like you don't think of churches going out of business, but a lot of them open and close because they don't have the fellowship or the following. Right. So it's no different enrolling people in indoctrinating them into your flock, let's say, if I'm using correct terminology to get them to be loyal, to come to your events, to come to the Sunday sermons, to be involved with the fundraisers, that is really no different than how you would try to build a martial arts school. The only the only vessel is martial arts versus religion, right? Yeah, I mean, with some no slight nuances, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And 
and you know the difference is you know we we have a membership that you pay for on a again weekly bi-weekly monthly yearly basis whatever it is they decide to you know that organizational membership is you know from a financial standpoint it is they they are based upon the, the people that want to give right they're not you know you're not obligated to but the people that want to give right I guess it depends on where you go. Some pe- some churches make you feel a little more obligated than others. Yeah. But um, anyhow, that all being said, back to onboarding. So onboarding, simply put, is it's, it's assimilation, right? It's right. taking, you know, someone uh, from, you know, where they are and then, you know, making them similar to to what you are providing. That's really what onboarding is, is you're, you, you want to create this, this assimilation that takes that person from where they are to where you would, you know, to, to the similar mindset, doctrine, um, philosophy of, of, of where you are at. Desire. Yes. And, and every school owner has this process, whether again, whether it's, they, they know that it's strategic or not, um, they have one. And even no process is a process, by the way, it just might not be a good process. Right. And so um, we really, I think if we'd started to dissect and look at this, we could try to maybe understand what's going to help us get these, you know, one, the new members uh, or even the new trials to become new members and then the new members to then stay. And like I said, pay and then refer. Right. So let's go on like, um, I learned a little bit of listening to your interview with me, how you were uh, talking about my book at the time and you would go into specific chapters and you had specific questions. So let's stick on staying. Right. And and I know like onboarding. Well, let's go to onboarding first. So onboarding, in your opinion, is, you know, that assimilation, that education, getting people with to to develop them to have the same desire, ideas, goals as as you do as an instructor and having your your goals and the family's goals or the students goals align um so that we can accomplish certain tasks right so yeah well let me ask you this have you ever have you ever signed up for a membership for anything before of course okay so there's a difference when you sign up for membership and you say you know uh, i signed up for this membership right or instead saying that I'm a member of. Right. There's a difference. Yeah. There's a difference. So let's let's think about, again, I'll bring up Spark. What Spark did, Spark membership software did was they created this membership software for martial arts school owners to use. Right. Mm-hmm. But what did they call or what do they call us as the members of? that are using this software. Sparkins. Exactly. See, we didn't just buy a membership. We are a membership of Spark. And what are we called? Spartans. Right. So right from the beginning, they label us as a part of them. So like, and and think about it, they did such a good job. And not to mention, again, the product is phenomenal, but they did such a good job in the fact that when, when we talk about Spark, um, we talk about the software, not, well, we talk about it as if it's ours. Yeah. Because we have a vested interest in it. Mm-hmm. 
when we make a suggestion and then and then they take it and then they you know like you could look at some of the things that you've suggested over the years i've suggested other school owners and we can go that was my idea now there yeah. may have been 12 other school owners or 20 other school owners that had the same request yeah. But you have a total buy-in because now you're like, man, that's that's my software. Like, <laughs> I had something to say. So there's a, the, the the point I'm getting at here is that language matters. Yes, language so, matters. So let's go back to. So here's a funny thing. Like, I, I really I find this odd. I don't find it funny. I find it peculiar. Right. So I just had a conversation with a parent. Love the parent. He's a he's a dad. He's a cop. Great guy. The mom. Great person. Their kid's been with me. This is they're coming up for their third year renewal. He started at two some two and a half years old. He's literally the cutest. Like I have a picture that's one of the most famous pictures in my dojo where dojo where he's in his gi and he's got his sippy cup. His mom took it and sent it to me, and I made it into a photo on the wall. Like I love this kid. He he sees me. He's like Sensei. How are you today? Like he's only four and a half, right? The other day they said, yeah, we're going to be discontinuing after the renewal comes up for this year. So I said, is everything okay? Anything wrong? What's going on? You know, no, no, we love your program. Colton loves it. My wife and I love it. It's amazing. He's learning. He's doing great. And I'm going, I'm perplexed. I'm confused. Like what is happening? Well, we just want him to experience other things. And I said, well, can he experience other things and stay in the dojo? Don't worry he'll probably be back. And I go, let me tell you the art. We have a saying quits or breaks equal quits. Very rarely, rarely do I ever see someone come back that says that I said, so the best thing for you to do is consider why you're here. Everything is positive. Why would you stop? So I think that this there's, there's in my head, I've been just for the last few days thinking about this somehow, somewhere we fell down the, the, the totem pole or the, the, the scale to, they love it, but somehow it, they don't love it enough to stay with it and, and not do other things or maybe only limit what else he does. So somehow in that onboarding process or the continual process over the last three years, I've somehow let them lose that excitement. Them, I mean, they still love it, but they're not as excited. They don't see like what the future could be like if this little guy stays for another four, five, six, ten years, right? Like what his life could be. Uh, somehow we're not showing that vision. We're not explaining how important it is. Parent or parents don't think that way anymore. They don't realize like when they have something at their fingertips, how lucky they are. Well, I also think that um, they don't know what they don't know. Right. And to your point, one quits or uh, breaks equals quit right two is that the fact that they um they're looking at a different bright and shiny object mm -hmm. they know what they have but they're believing that this other thing or other things opportunities might be even better for him mm. right yeah and then maybe he's got a friend doing something else that mm -hmm. He wants to go do and actually like, he doesn't he loves okay. the dojo like it's they said he loves it he loves coming he's not demotivated so right. like it falls on the parents because he's a kid right so you're right though like how do we how do we get them to understand and that's all part the better we are at onboarding and continually educating 
that will equal that retention more for more time. Yes, yes. And let me bring up three three questions that you that you really kind of want to ask yourself about your members. Mm-hmm. And let me and before I do that, I just want to go back to my last statement when I said that 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 language matters. Yeah. Um and back to, you know, I bought a membership to TriStar Martial Arts Academy, or mm-hmm. I'm a member of TriStar Martial Arts Academy. There's a difference. So language matters. It's kind of like when I ask the students in the studio and I say to them, you know, uh, do you do martial arts or are you a martial artist? Yes. Yes. Because there's a two, there's two totally different things. So the three questions that you really want to ask yourself about your members is you want, you want to ask yourself, you know, what do I want my members to um, receive? What do I want my members to believe? And what do I want my members to achieve? Right. So then when you start asking that, you know, these questions, you know, uh, then, you know, you can start putting things into practice. Right. Putting strategically put things in so that there are um, some wow factors, uh-huh. you know, being yeah. like, uh, uh, Grandmaster Hafner always said, be remarkable. Right. You know, how can you be remarkable? So first question is this, what do you want your members to receive in their first hour? Right. Well, when they first sign up, we want to give like, I don't know, however your sign up processes goes because everybody's are different, but right. you know, we're going to give them their uniform. We're going to give them their t-shirt. We're going to give them access to the app. Mm. Um, so those are going to be things that they're going to get within their first hour. Right. Take a picture of them, uh, celebrate them either on, you know, your board at the studio, online, however. I mean, those those things need to happen. What do you what do you want your members to uh, receive in the first 24 hours? Right. So not just right when they sign up, 24 hours later. What do you want them to receive? Well, it could be it could be a um, uh, you know, a thank you card that's mailed to them, like a physical card. Now, are they going to receive it in 24 hours? No, but you right. get it done in 24 hours. Yeah. You know, uh, a thank you card, uh, a follow up phone call from mm. the head instructor. Yeah. Um, you know, a uh, you could even do a coupon for a free parents night out or half off the next yeah. event. Yeah. You know, just because they became a member. Yep. So and then what do you want them to receive in their first week of training? Right. You know, I think one of the biggest things you want them to receive is you, you want them to get connected with another parent. Mm hmm. So maybe it's a parent that's been there for, you know, three months as opposed to them being brand new, or maybe it's a parent that's, you know, so introduce, that would be where the program director comes into play and sees what needs to happen and, and knows who, who the, the, the parents are that have been there that, that have really bought in right to the program. And then you pair them up and say, Hey, have you, by the way, Mrs. So-and-so, have you met uh, Mrs. So-and-so her kid is blah, 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 blah. I just want to introduce you so that you have a connection here. Yeah. In fact, I, I'm lucky with my little warrior two to four year old program. I normally have a bunch of people in the lobby and three of the people that are in the lobby parent wise, which are almost always there. One of the days where new people come in um, there, the husbands were my students when they were kids. And then they eventually stopped and went off to become law enforcement and they brought their kids back to me. So it's always cool to go. You see that mom? Their kid is in my school and their her husband was my student when he was a teenager. Yeah. So and that makes a huge difference, doesn't it? Oh, you know, without a doubt. 
so that connection is huge. Um, and I think sometimes we forget the bigger our studios get, the, the more that we forget that. But if we yeah. go back to how your studio was when you only had 50, 60, even 100 or less, right. um, everybody was connected. Everybody yeah. knew yep. Yep. everyone. Yep. And there was such a buy-in to that. Yeah. So, you know, and then what I was going to say real quickly, what do you want your members to receive in, in their first month? You know, maybe right. they need to receive their, their first belt or their mm -hmm. first skill stripe or whatever it is. But we got to start thinking about these things. What do I want them to receive? I'm right. sorry, I cut you off. No, no, I, I was just going to add to that. I was going to say, so the onboarding process, assimilation, education, processes within the school to keep people involved, connected, understanding what's going on. Like I utilize my app um, on Spark and I have, you know, welcome to the family. I have a quick start guide that we give out on their first class with an 18 page full color, beautiful manual. Um, but the question is though, what I find is, and, and I know this to be true, only a very small percentage of people will actually read it with full attention. They might skim it and go, oh, well, I'll get back to it. Or they might read quickly and it's, it's out of their head before they leave. So that's the, the whole thing is penetrating through the white noise in their life. And Can that's repetitive. That? Yeah. Can I make a suggestion on yeah. that? What if that booklet uh, was an in-house booklet? Mm-hmm. Um, one, it's a coffee table booklet because I love your your viewing area. It could yeah. just be sitting on the coffee. But two, it could be that, you know, hey, Mrs. Jones, while Sally's in class, I wanted to give you this to take a look at. Um, we keep the copies here. I mean, if you want a copy to take home with you after you look at it today, I certainly could give you one. But would you take the time right now to kind of thumb through this and then obviously let me know if you have any questions? Because then there's a time frame on when they have to get it done by. So, you know, could they logically, I'm just asking you, I don't know how big it is. Could they no. logically read it in, in, in that Probably half an not hour? Read it, not read the whole thing, however, because they're still watching class. But I do do that, though. I give it to them when they get there. I said, thumb through this while your kid's in class. And then and then make sure I tell them to read it over when they take it home. And then but we if have you take it back, they might be I, more apt to, to read yeah, it. Yeah, but, but then I wonder, though, like if they, I take it back and they never read it, then they're not going to read it anymore. But we also then follow an onboarding automation where they get a series of emails over the course of the next four weeks, six weeks, depending on when they, if they signed up, it would be six months. So it's a bad matter of getting them used to reading. That's why with my app, I have now eliminated putting information on other platforms. So they're forced and driven to the map, to the app, to the map, I would say, right? Where, where, they have to go there if they want to know when we're open, when we're closed, what special events are going on. You want to sign up for the Halloween party? Go to the app. You want to do our day camp? Go to the app. So I realized long ago that other platforms, whether it be email, sometimes even text messaging, but most importantly, social media is not a good outlet to communicate because the algorithms on social media don't always show people who are following the same thing. But if you're in your onboarding process, you're telling them that all the updated information will be inside of that app. Right. No, no problem. You right. Know? That's no what problem. Yeah. Yeah. So again, you want to ask yourself, you know, what do I want my, my new, what do I want my members to receive? Right. And not just in the first three months, but 
look at really how you want them to, you know, what do they want them to receive all the way through up to black belt and then do it beyond. I would, I would tell coaching clients uh, about this. And, you know, I used to call it the, the um, cause this was what professor Hafner had called it uh, the roadway to success mm-hmm. really. And, um, and I, then I kind of termed it as the path, but anyways, you know, map it out. And then all you got to do is go, okay, this set of white belts that are joining right now, I'm going to, I'm going to create this as they become, you know, so if it takes four years in your school to become a black belt, you're just going to work for the next four years and follow that group. Mm -hmm. And everybody else back will, will, will benefit from that. And then once they become a black belt going to second degree, you still work with that group. What do I want? What do I want them at this level to receive at this point to receive? And you can always go back and change things. I know like for us, you know, one, one thing that we've come up with too, is we do have a, um, a belt level newsletter, right? So once they become a, a yellow belt, then they have a yellow belt newsletter that they get when they become an orange belt, they have an orange belt newsletter. Now it's just right. a one, one page newsletter, right? It's an email. Mm-hmm. They're informed about it. I mean, one, they obviously get the email Two, we send them a text message. It's all through an automated, but what that does is it goes into, you know, what my second question here is, you know, uh, what do you want your members to believe? Mm. So at each level, I need them to be graduating in their belief, not only just in themselves, but also within the program. And this will kind of go back to, um, you know, what you talked about with that, that those parents wanting to leave, you know, is the fact that I, I need them to believe that this program is making an impact in their child's life. Great. And so there are specific things and stories at different levels that we utilize from past parents to situations, you know, so for instance, uh, whatever our highest level of quit rate is the right. belt before that mm-hmm. we're talking about the fact that, most people by this time are getting close to being demotivated. Right. Uh, and here's the reasons why, because of this, 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 and this, and here's how to overcome those. And for those that decide to overcome them, here's the picture of your child once they reach the, at least their first degree black belt. And here's right. why. And then, you know, obviously there's some short videos that are also available in there that they can click on. And, and it's just real short, like one minute, two minute topics that, you know, I have that are on YouTube that they can, you know, watch really quick. But again, getting them to believe what you want them or need them to believe in order for them to be successful. And I go back to that. The language is so important because, um, you know, our our friend Kenny Bigby, who uh, owns a school in in Indiana, former Navy SEAL, when we I want to say rebranded him, but we kind of did. When we rebranded him, we talked about that we needed language that fits the model that he wants. Like he wants only serious parents with the serious kids because he's mainly an, an adult school. Yeah. Um, and so we had come up with because he's a former Navy SEAL with the word elite. So there everything has or most things have an elite terminology to them, an elite feel to them as well. So even when it's not like a, it's not a skill stripe test. It's, it's, it's an elite assessment. Mm, Yeah. I mean, just the terminology to get the belief where it needs to be. Yeah. Does that make sense? 
Totally makes sense. And I love it. I, I actually love that whole concept. It's great. So the other thing is your everything is cyclical, I believe, in, in the martial arts. And so if, if you think about even your mat chats, all of your mat chats need to be pretty concise down to a minute or two. Like really, if you had a mat chat, you could sum it up in a, in a phrase that your, that your, that your students could remember. Mm -hmm. And so like, and I call them little Senate sermons, you know, and uh, like, so one of, one of them that I would always preach uh, is that there is no such thing as I can't, it's either I won't, or I don't know how. And I can't tell you, uh, how many times, because I don't keep count, uh, that I'll have a, a student say, well, I can't do that. And I say, there is no such thing as I can't. It's either I won't or I don't know how. Or they will say, and then that allows me to do a little speech if I have to. Another one is, you know, um, uh, uh, that's not fair. That's not fair. And I, and I just tell them, I just simply just say, you know, who lied and told you that life was fair? Cause it's right. not fair. Yeah. And then I just tell them life is tough, but when you're tough on yourself, life, it is, life is infinitely easier on you. Yeah. And you think about this though, I, they're going to hear that multiple times throughout their training. Cause it's not just a one and done. There's going to be another classroom with another kid. That's going to say, I can't do that. And then I get to repeat it again. They get to hear it. Right. Or, I, you know, or they're going to say that it's not fair that Johnny won. I don't know who lied and told you the life was fair, but it isn't. But life is tough. But when you're tough on yourself, life is infinitely easier on you. Like just those small little phrases, you know, um, like we have different little sentence sermons that we use. And I think that that's so important because the, the culture, the language, in order for them to believe on the same level and the same type of things that you are uh, believing is really, really important. You know, another one is uh, uh, how you do anything is how you do everything. Right. If you're sloppy doing this, you're sloppy doing other things. Now, you may be putting on an act right now and not doing it sloppily. But if you're sloppy doing this, I can assure you, you're, do, you're sloppy doing the other thing. And another one is like, I, I just say little things count. Definitely does. And so um, getting them. So the question is, what do you want them to believe? And then you need to craft ways that they get the buy in for that belief. Isn't that the same? Like if you stop and you think about these same questions within the local church, I mean, the local church, if it's a, a Christian church, then you want them to believe in Christianity. So you're you like, you're going to be talking about things out of the, like, you're not going to say, you know, Satan is, is, is the one and true God. Like you're not going to, you, you right. know what I'm saying? Right. So there's, and, and really there's church language. You hear people, yeah. there's church language even. Yeah. Go to the school system. My wife talks about the school system because she's been in there for 25 years. Their school, uh, their school language, they have yeah. acronyms for everything up the wazoo. Yeah. yeah. And so what do we want our members to believe? So right. first is receive. Next one is believe. And then the last one is what do we want our members to achieve? Hmm. I love it. All great stuff. I, I love everything about it. And I don't mean to cut you off. I think I've, no, I, I don't know. If you not, dude, don't worry. I've probably done it to you a million times already. So don't worry. Um, so, so with regards to it, are you want to start with or stay with believe before we get to achieve? Um, yeah, well, we have, you know, stay, pay and 
refer, right? And we're at around 12.06 already and we're, we have like 25 minutes or 20 minutes left. So let's not forget to really get, you know, to the, the stay part is very much similar to the onboarding part. Like they're all woven together, right? Like, well, all three of these questions will help you. Yeah. All three of these questions. So what do you want them to believe? Uh, uh, excuse me. What do you want them to receive, believe, and achieve will encourage them to stay. And then the longer that they stay, they're going to pay. And then the the better or um, the, the much better experience that they have. And if you're strategic about it, they're going to refer you. And you want them to refer you just like the local church. They ask, you know, hey, look, if you have anybody that you know that, um, you know, you want to bring to church with you, bring them to church. Like same thing that we do. Right. We just had a glorified buddy buddy week, you know, that we called National Martial Arts Appreciation Month. Right. It's the same thing. That's awesome. So with regards to uh, what do you want your members to achieve? Yes. Obviously, uh, you want them to get their stripes and their belt ranks and those type of things. You want them to have meaningful connections. Let me say that again. You want them to have meaningful connections. They need to achieve uh, the, the, the fact that they belong. I am a member of Long Island Ninjutsu. Not yeah. that I bought a membership at right. Long Island Ninjutsu. Right. Uh, Ninjutsu. Um, you, you need them to have uh, uh, quick wins. There needs mm. to be quick wins in the beginning. They need to achieve yeah. that that first belt, that first stripe, those those first accolades in the beginning. The biggest time that you want to be praising them, not that you don't praise them all the way through, but they really need that in the very beginning. So going back to, you know, what are they what are they going to get in their first hour, 24 hours, first week, first 30 days? You know, if they don't have a a, a belt test within the first 3 months, I mean, I think that that's horrible. Right. Um, at the very least, they need that. Does that kind of make sense? Totally. I love it. And then beyond those things, what do we want them to achieve? Well, speaking skills, um, listening skills. We, we, we want them to be, uh, be a better leader. We want them to have good interpersonal communication skills. So all, and then, and if those are the things, like you just go through and start writing the things down that you want them to achieve. And then how can you build that into your program if it isn't already there? Again, I think that uh, we are very blessed with the martial arts because there is some of those things. I've been saying this for years. Some of those things are innate Mm -hmm. in the martial arts. Yeah. But I, I believe if we were to really look at the things that we want our students to achieve, and then obviously we want them to be able to defend themselves. I guess that was a given, but uh, you know, uh, but I didn't say that. So let me just state that now. Yeah look at the things that we want them to achieve. And then how can we go back and strategically make sure that those things are happening? So we put them in there, we inspect what we expect so that we can get those achievable things in the end. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Without a doubt. I love it. So, and everybody wants to, uh, everybody wants to belong to something. Everybody wants to believe in something. They want to become someone and so that's by doing these things, I really, I, I really truly um, believe the fact that, you know, you you can get them to believe, belong and become. That's great. Well, stay, pay and refer, believe, belong, you know, become all of those things are, 
you know, similar in values, right? And it all goes back to, I, be, I believe when I had the best buy-in according to black belt enrollment in my schools, I was, and, and I use this term because it sounds a little, a, le, a little um, confusing, but I was in the parents' heads. I was in the students' heads more, meaning that they listened to what I had to say and they bought in. So if a parent said, hey, I said, what would you do if your kid wants to quit? Um, they'd say, I don't know. I go, you don't let them. That's it. Like right now with that one kid who's three, you know, five years old now, um, I, I can't do much because it's not like the kid's demotivated and giving his parents a hard time because he's not. It's that they think somehow, somewhere, giving him more diversified experiences will make him a much more well-rounded child, which I find to be ridiculous. Like, cause I'll give you an example. My daughter played piano. I bought her a baby grand piano for her and her mom when they, when, when she was younger, she took piano lessons for two years, never really loved it, barely could play that well. They, you know, whatever. Um, then she moved on to clarinet. And then she moved on to the flute, but then she liked the flute and stuck with that throughout all junior high and high school um, and did the NISMA, I think it's called, where they do the music awards and all. Um, but the minute she was done and went away to college, she hasn't picked up her flute since. Like for me, I played guitar since I'm four years old. You can see my wall of guitars behind me, but there was a good 15 years that I just got so discouraged with being in a band and playing music and for a whole bunch of litany of reasons that I hadn't picked up my guitar in years. And I literally forgot every, I literally forgot how to play. Like I could do basic chords and basic things. But when I started my new lessons, I felt like a total white belt, if, if that. Right. So um, you forget. And that's where I think that we have to always constantly be in the parents head, the students head, reminding them what they are getting. They don't know. They don't know what they're actually getting. They don't realize what they're learning. They don't realize the benefits and what the future holds. How could they? We have lived it. So we have a vision. They don't. And when we try to explain it to them or the parents, their mindset is so limited. They they only hear it as like a glorified sales process. Sure, he doesn't want him to quit or, or yeah, I guess you believe that, but I don't necessarily believe it. So we have to really get inside the head of the, of the person. Well, and if you can find um, experts or at least one expert to back up what, what, what you're trying to say. So if somebody is, is talking about the fact that going deep in one area is way more beneficial than going wide in 12 areas. Right. Just as a, a, a quick analogy, yeah. then you utilize that to your advantage, right? Make that a part of a delivery system that all parents get, especially when they're considering not signing up again or considering quitting. Yeah. I mean, think about how many, how many times have we talked to parents and also the kids later on in life that saw you in the grocery store and said, man, I, I really wish my, my mom wouldn't have let me quit. I wish wow. I would have gotten my black belt. How many? I wish I had a dollar for every time yeah. that happened. Exactly. So any of those individuals that you still are connected to and with social media, you might be able to find them much easier mm -hmm. is to take those individuals. And now with because of COVID, Zoom is easy to do. Everybody understands it. Why yeah. don't you do a Zoom interview with them and yeah. say, hey, you know, um, can we talk about this topic so that hopefully it will help 
some kids and even parents that are considering letting their kid quit? Yeah, so I have a kid who just reached out to me Monday night at 1130. He's not a kid. He's 37 now. He actually was a young kid, maybe like 12 or 13, going to test for his black belt. And the day of the test didn't show. I never saw him again. Parents ignored me. They ghosted me because they were having issues. And the kid went down this really bad path. About five years ago, he rejoined my school when I had opened up a small little program in Florida and he trained pretty religiously. And then that program, we closed it down. But he struggled his entire life with drugs, alcohol and addiction. So when he needs somebody, he reaches out to me like at midnight. He reached out to me. He needed just me, my voice of, of reason to talk to. And he always says, I wish I never quit. And I wish my parents, and I get it. He was a 14 year old troublemaker, right? So they couldn't like tie him up and duct tape him and bring him to the dojo. So they kind of threw their hands up. But at the same time, um, he equates quitting with all the struggles he's experienced over the last 35 years or 30 years. So like, like that vision, I wish we could only get, but people, you know, the cigarette commercials that used to come out where, a person would have a voice yes. box. They couldn't talk. They said all those commercials didn't have any effect on smokers because they it was them that were affected. So they switched the concept to be that not, not being able to walk your kid down the aisle and now they're by themselves or not be able to see their first day of college. Now a smoker would say, I need to quit because of my kid, not necessarily because of myself. The connection was different. So we, we have to really look at that and say to ourselves, like, what can we do to tap into their their emotional state so that they actually listen, if that if that makes sense, right? Well, it's, it's uh, and we talked about this a little bit in last week's podcast, where um, it, it is the, um, oh gosh, um, uh, I'm trying to remember what we talked about. We talked about ethical, um, uh, I can't think of it. Uh, I don't know. It, take away. Um, uh, what do oh, we talk eth- about? Ethical. Uh, ethical. Uh, uh, well, it was removing the urgency, taking away the uh, the. Um, yeah, not just the urgency. The, value, uh, the, the stack, right? This. Is- yeah, but anyways, the the point was um, the fact that you. The oh, the cost of inaction. Mm-hmm. So the cost of not taking action, sometimes we need to let the parents know, like, you know, the longer you wait to get your child in the martial arts, the less time you have for them to become successful. Right. Right. Same thing is the cost of inaction. So if you decide not to do this and not let them rejoin, then here are the, the benefits that they're going to receive in the future that they're, that they may not ever receive because that's already inside of our program. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So it would be, it would be the cost of inaction. Oh, oh, you want to quit? Okay. Why? Well, because they want to, whatever you, but you like the program. Yeah. All right. Let me, let me ask you a question. What is it that you were looking for out of a martial arts program? Well, we wanted to have this, this is okay. So, um, we've already produced that with other, with other kids. And so by taking him away from that, aren't you taking away the things that, you know, the potential for those things that you're looking for already? Right. Yeah. 
However, I go back to my mind always goes back to having said these things like I did the other day with the parents. And I kind of know I'm talking to the wall, right? So sometimes as instructors, and I know there are a lot of instructors out there probably heard this a million times and they've done it a million times yet. We're like, why bother? Like almost, right. like, I'll give you an example today. One of my friends was telling me he failed someone for their brown belt test yesterday. Um, and they've been training for like eight months to get prepared and he's been working with them. And the kid is so lazy and just doesn't care. So he actually literally kicked them out of the school because he feels like you've wasted my time for eight months and she can't even do five pushups and she doesn't even care to remember her techniques. Why am I even bothering? And, um, you know, why do I do this? So he said, it's time to move on. Like it's, I'm not going to waste my time because obviously you don't care enough for me to waste my time. So I think sometimes we have to look at stuff and say, when is the right time to do it? Who's the, like, it's like, 80% of the people who come to your school are the ones that are just going to be average and do this, yeah. right? But the other, you're going to have 20% maybe, if that, that are going to be outstanding and really buy into, dig into, understand the benefits, realize what they've got, um, the tools. Like I always said to myself, like, I don't ever remember more than maybe one or two teachers in my, my public education that made the effort to really make me feel special and connected. But I remember those two people very well. Right. So um, there weren't bad teachers, all the rest of them, they did their job, but I just didn't connect to them. A martial art teacher is way different. Like we have to wear many different hats as they grow older. We're changing our personalities to fit their new age de demographic and how they act. Um, yeah. We don't have them for six months or eight months. And then they go to a different school grade and teacher. We have to live with them and train them. And then all of a sudden they're gone. They quit. You don't hear from them. It's a pretty painful process for instructors. Um, and uh, like I'm really attached to this one little kid, but I'll get over it in a few days. Um, it used to take me months years ago, um, but but it's a shame. It's sad, right? But what can you do? It's part of what we do. We teach just like, I guess, a pastor or a priest preaches. Hopefully people will absorb a piece of the message, the full message, whatever it may be. And then hopefully he will have impacted that person's life in that sermon at that very moment. Yeah, I, you can't chase everybody down. Um, you know, I understand that, but you certainly can try to have a structure that allows you to uh, have to chase less and less people. Yeah, you know? absolutely. You so want to read that? Yeah. So um, Rick Kellerman had said, just an idea, just as we have students and parents write testimonials, have all those old students, former students write testimonials on how martial arts changed their lives. Yes. Um, I've done that. It's actually on my website. I had a guy who trained with me and he actually became a Black Hawk helicopter pilot in um, Afghanistan. And he told me about how the martial arts helped him survive. But it wasn't about necessarily just military combat actions. It was more about sitting on the tarmac and waiting for his call to come in 110 degree weather and how he was able to keep his cool under fire. And then I have another one who's a, another testimony on my website who's a kid grew up and now he's an emergency room um, doctor, a, a surgeon. And it talked about how the martial arts helped him get through college and how he uses his cool during mm -hmm. surgery. And it, none of it has to do with physical fighting Right. But it's all about that. And there's a lot of those stories to, to have those things are really good. If you could get 
people to do them for you. So I know, Dwayne, you have like four minutes left. Why don't you really quickly sum up, you know, how stay, pay, refer, right? Like referrals come from the stay and the pay and, you know, the believe and achieve mindset. So maybe give a quick closing on that and then we'll, we'll close up the call. Yeah, I, I guess what I would just say is in order to really create a culture that people want to stay, and obviously the longer they stay, the the, the more money that you're going to make, right? And the more yeah. impact you're going to make on them. But the, the more opportunity they have, the longer they stay, the more opportunity they have to be able to refer you. Mm-hmm. All of those things need to be strategic. Right. So, you know, going back to the three questions that we that we talked about that you want to ask your, you know, about your members is what do I want them to receive? what I want them to believe, and then what do I want them to achieve? Orchestrating all of those in such a way to be very strategic to with, you know, to get get the, the goal in the end of mind for your school. The goal in the end of mind is really whatever your, um, your mission is. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to say mission statement, but really right. whatever your mission is for your school. Um, you know, if you want to create leaders, if you want to create um, you know, hardcore combat people, like whatever it is, it doesn't right. matter. Right. Just understand what it is your mission is and then craft or strategically place things in, in that so that you can uh, affect their lives so they, they stay longer. They're going to pay more and then they're going to refer. We talked a little bit about referrals last week. Uh, Allie, I had brought up about your referral of a lifetime program you know, utilizing that program. If you have no program, 47 bucks, go to Ali's website. He can drop the info in here for you. Yeah. But, uh, you know, you can utilize that right away and and uh, put that into, into practice. But again, if you can get them to stay longer, you have more of an impact on their lives to meet the goal that you want to achieve uh, in that. And then obviously, you know, the question is then that's going to allow them to uh, believe more like you believe, become who they and you want them to become. More importantly, obviously, who they want to be, you know, become, um, and have this belonging forever, so right. that they're, they're going to say that you know, look, I, I, I didn't just do karate. I, I, I was a tri-star martial artist. Right. I just didn't do ninjutsu. Yeah. You know, I was a Long Island ninjutsu martial artist. Yeah. And if you do a well enough job. It's going to be that I, even when they're not in your program anymore, it's going to be, you know, I am a TriStar martial artist. Yeah. Not I was. Right. Does that make sense? I love it. It's very tribal and very awesome. And uh, it's like in the Japanese ninja clans, it's a clan. You're bound by honor and loyalty and discipline. And once you were there, you were there. Um, you lived it, you acted it, you breathed it, you ate it, you know, it was, it, it's part of what you did and, uh, it's life changing. So thank you, Dwayne. Today was a great call. I love the topics that we've been covering. I hope that people are getting benefits out of it. We had a lot of comments today and a lot of listeners and viewers. So, uh, excited to keep on doing these type of podcasts with people that are on more of the mindsets of, uh, school owners. Cause a lot of times we get comments and people say, I'm one guy in the right in the beginning. He said, I, when I told that story, he goes, I was really happy to hear that story. Like, because they don't, they probably are on an Island all by themselves thinking that they're going through it all by themselves. And we're all feeling and dealing with the same stuff. 
Yeah. Well, there's emotional things that, uh, that we martial artists, uh, school owners go through. It's just, it's yeah. just, just true. Absolutely. All right. Thanks, dude. sir. Thank you. You have a great day. Take care, everybody. Sayonara. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Martial Arts School Learner Talk podcast. This would not be possible if it weren't for the support of our amazing sponsors. Please check out Elite Insights for all your website needs. They can be reached at EliteInsights.com. Add health coaching, helping school owners create a new and easy to implement revenue stream for your school. Visit AdHealthCoaching.com. Lead Hunter Media, your online digital marketer and content provider. Visit leadhuntermedia.com. Academy Kings Growth Consulting and Management Group. They can be reached at academykings.com. And Spark Membership, hands down the best martial arts software for school owner management on the planet. They can be reached at sparkmembership.com. We will see you next time.